Um, it is honestly a real privilege to come here. I, I spoke at the nine o'clock service and um, the nine o'clock, sorry, that's what I should call it, the nine o'clock. And um, got to get it right, I'm on brand. Um, <laughs> it is an honest privilege to be here. I, it, I said this at the, at the nine o'clock, it feels like home here and I hope that's all right with you. It feels like family and uh, I, it's a healing place for me to be in this place of worship and people of faith who are just, I, you can tell in the room there were people here who just want to go for it with God and encounter God and that's a real blessing. Um, at the nine o'clock I didn't have my family with me. My family are with me here this morning now so um, I just warn you now, <laughs> there are illustrations that involve you. I'm sorry. Um, Beth, Bethany, my, my youngest, she sent me this a while ago, a little, a little meme. If you live in a pastor's home, you have the right to remain silent because anything you say or do may be used in a sermon illustration. <laughs> so, so that is going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> Well, I'm talking on. I'm talking on the. I've been asked to talk about the Lord's Prayer, and uh, particularly the, the line "Give us this day our daily bread." And I know that it's part of your bigger series on the Father's heart. And and honestly, it's it's my favourite thing to talk about the Father's heart. So, whilst we will look at that that line, uh, "Give us this day our daily bread," I particularly want to couch it in that understanding of who God is. You can't. We can't do anything in terms of our discipleship, our following of Jesus, unless it flows from that place of encounter with the Father, and to, unless it flows from that place of understanding who he is and who we are in him. That is what informs us as we understand and as we pray those prayers, give us this day our daily bread. So I just want to unpack that a little bit today. Recently I was in a taxi um, uh, an Uber taxi and sometimes I don't know if you, this is your experience in taxi sometimes the taxi driver just stays silent um, and sometimes they just want to talk the whole journey well this was one of the latter and he wanted to talk the whole journey and um, he said to me what do you do so of course I said, I'm a vicar and then I heard um, a line that I don't often hear which is oh religion it's brilliant isn't it <laughs> which you don't often hear that um, I don't know if you remember Paul Whitehouse and the fast show. It just reminded me of that character that Paul Whitehouse used. It's brilliant, isn't it, with religion? And um, I was like, uh, yeah, kind of, but that's not what I get excited about. And that, what followed is a conversation about um, relationship with God, that I'm not really excited about religion, but I'm excited about who God is and, and what he says. And it turns out that this guy and what he believed, he had a faith in God, but what he believed was um, that it was about how good he was and how, how he did right things, and that was what um, got him right with God. And he, he said to me, you know, I don't see why I need someone to come and do something for me and, and atone for my sins. I, I just need to do that myself. And it was a really interesting conversation. Um, and we, I would have loved to have carried on talking with him, but as well as him um, thinking religion was brilliant, he also uh, seemed to think that driving very fast was brilliant. So <laughs> we got to the place without me being able to have too deep a conversation with him. But um, I did manage to say to him this, that what matters to me is that I know God is good and loving and just. And there's lots I don't understand about God, but I do know that. And that, I think, is foundational. For us as, as followers of Jesus, I know he is for me. He is for you this morning. He loves it when we choose to give him time and meet together like this and, and worship him. He's for you. He's for you. And he wants relationship. And with that, I got out of the car 
and he disappeared off in a cloud of dust and that was that. But for him, fundamentally, his understanding of God was of someone to be pleased and appeased. My understanding is that God is already pleased with me. He's already pleased with you. And that from that place, I work out what my faith looks like. From that place of safety, from that place of security. He's for me, he's for you. And it's from that place that we work it out. So we're talking about prayer. And I want to say, there's so much about prayer I don't understand. Um, I'm not an expert by any means in prayer. I have good days, I have bad days. I want to be better at prayer because I do know it is foundational to how my walk with Jesus. I do know that. And, um, but I want to give this kind of disclaimer right from the very beginning. I'm no expert, and I struggle, probably like you do, with how to do, have a prayer life with God. The taxi driver for, driver for him, I suspect, prayer is more about duty than relationship, more like a business deal than a conversation between a parent and child. And I use, this is where illustrations about being a parent come in. For me, anything that happens with my children, and I think this is, reflects the truth of God with us, the end game is relationship. The end game is relationship. Anything with God, the end game is relationship. We've got, got to get that right. We've got to understand that. The end game for God is relationship. That's what he longs for more than anything else. And so anything we do is with that means to an end, relationship. We've been looking after a two-year-old this weekend. You may have seen him here. Um, all my children are grown up. 20, how old's Joel? 21. They keep changing. 21, 18, 16. <laughs> um, but we've been looking after a two-year-old. Goodness grief. I've forgotten what it's like to look after two-year-olds. The energy that you need, it's crazy, isn't it? They never stop. I'm used to the sort of waiting, going to bed and waiting to go to bed because some of them come in at three in the morning last night. Um, <laughs> you're going to be so glad you came this morning, aren't you? I'm sorry. Um, but this, this lad, um, Dragos, he's called, um, who we're looking after this weekend, and um, I was putting him to bed last night. And he wailed and he wailed. He was, he was really upset. He just he didn't want to go to bed. And um, I, as someone who was looking after him, knew that it was right for him to go to bed. That's what he needed. That, if you like, was his daily bread. <laughs> That's what he needed. He needed to go to bed, but he really didn't want to go to get bed. And I've forgotten what it's like to have those bedtime battles. Um, but there was a point where he's just getting to know me and Pippa. And I think he knows that we're for him. I think he knows that we love him, you know, and that, that we want the best for him. And after a little bit of toing and froing, he kind of came into my arms and cuddled me, and I was able to put him to bed. And that, for me, was, is an illustration of the relationship that you, you and I have with the Father, with God. That as we get to know that he is for us, we will submit to the things that he knows we need. Not always the things we think we need. But we will submit to the things that he knows we need, that are for us and that are the best for us. 
So for us to understand this line from the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, we have to talk about relationship with God. It has to be in that context. It has to be about him being for us and all the good things that he wants to us. We won't have the right attitude or perspective on what it means to ask for our daily bread apart from a right understanding of God. So I'm going to read scripture now, and I'm going to read from... The Matthew uh, account, you'll, you'll be aware that in uh, the Lord's Prayer is in Luke as well, but I'm going to read from Matthew 6 because there's a line in there that I want to refer to later. So this is from Matthew 6, starting at verse 5. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So the first thing I would like us to notice, which kind of comes from what I've just said, that preamble, look at where that line, give us this day our daily bread, falls within the Lord's Prayer. It's halfway through. It's the the Lord's Prayer start. It's a template, isn't it, that Jesus gives us. It's not necessarily a prayer that we have to pray in its as it is there. It's more a template for for a structure with, with which to pray. And it starts with our Father. It starts with that orientation, that calibration. He's our Father. Long before we get to give us this day our daily bread, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. I don't think it's a coincidence that the daily bread thing comes halfway down because first of all, it needs to be calibrated by he is our Father and he is for us. I know I'm saying the same thing, but this is so important for us. How often do our prayer requests start with, oh God, I need this. And it's okay, God's big and graceful. This is not a condemnation thing. But I, I, it's a challenge to me. How often do I go straight to God and go, I need this to happen, God. Oh, could you do this? And what he wants is for me to first of all calibrate my father. I oh, yeah, you're for me. Okay. I'm now ready to ask for my daily bread. Think about Jesus. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That was part of who he was, even especially when he was busy. I often think of that time, you know, when there's all these people being healed and then more people come to be healed and he's disappeared off to go and pray. Now, how how often in churches have we done the thing, well, the kingdom's breaking through, we've got to keep going, keep praying. Jesus doesn't. He goes to the lonely place, the secret place, because he knows he has to be calibrated by his relationship with the Father. 
So in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, we're told Jesus spent the whole night on a mountainside praying to God. In Luke chapter 9, verse 18, praying in private in the lonely place. And then in verse 28, he took Peter, John, and James with him to pray. And that's when those words of the Father spoke over Jesus. This is my son. Again, place of covenant, place of relationship. This is my son whom I have chosen. And then we come to Luke chapter 11, which is the other uh, passage in, in the Gospels that talks about the Lord's Prayer. One day Jesus was praying and the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. A little side, I, I didn't know this until I was looking into it. It's the only time in Scripture where the disciples ask Jesus to teach them something. And what do they choose to ask him to teach them? How to pray. Not teach us how to heal people. Not teach us how to preach. Teach us how to pray. And I wonder why that is the thing they ask Jesus to teach them. Maybe because as they've been around him, they've seen that everything he did flowed from that place of encounter and relationship with the Father. Maybe they saw that and they said, that's it. That's what it's about. They started to catch that all of Jesus' work was rooted in his life with the Father. Prayer was the center point of Jesus' life with God. He made time for it even when he was really busy. So first point, it matters. It matters who you think you are talking to if you're going to ask for daily bread. It matters what you think he thinks about you and what you think about him. It matters. We need to challenge the wrong images that we may sometimes have of God. And please hear me here. There are very good reasons sometimes why we have wrong understandings of God. And I'm not trying to roughshod over that, that truth. But... I think one of the best things we can do is to find ways that we can get healing. We can be realigned into the truth of who God is. And that would be different for all of us in, in ways we can do. This is a great church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit, that believes in praying for each other. But that is, I think, one of the most important things you and I can ever do, is get healing on our understanding of who God is. God is not a grumpy God. He's not a distant God. He's not a God who's waiting to catch us out. I always remember the Far Side cartoon. Do you remember that one? Those of you who like Far Side. Um, where it's a picture of God and he's in front of a computer terminal and his finger's hovering over a key which says smite. And he's looking on his computer terminal and watching people. Some people think that's what God's like. He's just waiting for, to catch us out. But that isn't the God that we believe in. He's longing for relationship. God is a good God who knows how to give good things to his children. He's a good God who knows how to give good things to his children. I have three children. I give them lots. I try to give them what they need. Food, clothes, a roof over their head, driving lessons. We do that as parents. We give them what we think is good for them what we think they need but it all comes from a place of relationship now I hope I'm not speaking out of turn for my children but I think they like being with me as well and it's about relationships so I don't mind spending money I don't mind giving things because it facilitates relationship and you know they're clever they know that they can do the oh dad I'm just free this morning maybe we can go and have breakfast together 
You know, they know what they're doing. But I don't mind. I've clocked you. I know what you're doing. Um, but I don't mind. I don't mind because I, I'm investing in relationship. In giving what is good, I get relationship. That's a really important image to, for us to have. Matthew 7 says this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Relationship time with God teaches us that he is good and for us. And he wants us to ask him for things from that place of understanding. From the place of knowing those truths. Knowing his heart gives us the security and trust to accept that he will give us what we need. And there's a difference between what we think we need and what we actually need. Give us this day our daily bread. I was chatting with Beth about this and we were saying bread is made up of lots of different ingredients and for each of us what makes up the daily bread you and I need will be different ingredients, different things. God knows that. He, again, being a good parent to us, he knows what each of us needs, what ingredients we need. But I want to ask us, does our understanding of God allow us to trust him? This is the fundamental point of this morning really. Before we get to Give us this day our daily bread. Does our understanding of God allow us to trust him? Relationship with God. Tim Keller, and I would really recommend Tim Keller's book on prayer. He says it like this. Prayer is how God gives us so many of the unimaginable things he has for us. Indeed, prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. I think that's profound. It is the way we know God, the way we finally treat God as God. Prayer makes it safe for God to give us many of the things we most desire. And then he goes on to say, if we are living lives in which God does not have our highest allegiance, then we will use prayer instrumentally, selfishly, simply to try to get the things that may be already ruining our lives. This idea, this understanding of who God is, is so important. It gives us the right heart posture. It's, 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 no long, it's no longer about us having this shopping list with God. It's more the image of a little child putting their hand into the hand of the parents and enjoying that relationship so much, as much as what they receive from it. That's why those lines come before, give us this day our daily bread. It's orientation before intercession. It's calibration before intercession. And yes, there is a discipline. There is a discipline in prayer. It's right that we should have that. We should try and set aside times. We should try and find ways that work for us to be able to spend time with God. Those things are important, but let them never become religion. They should always be with the end point of relationship. Always. That's why for a different one of us, we find different ways of doing that. But the end game for all of us should be relationship and intimacy with the Father. So if that's 
that's the most important thing. And just the last smaller point is in from that place, he loves for us to ask. I love it when my kids ask for things because it's it's relationship. He loves that. He wants you to ask him. Now, I, I... let me just read this Matthew 6 again, and I just want to say something which bothered me for a while, and I wasn't quite sure why, what I thought about it. But I'll just read verse six, uh, this verse again. When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Why then do I need to ask for daily bread? If he already knows what I need. Do you ever, you ever think that? Do you ever look at Scripture and go, don't get that? Your Father knows what you need. If he knows what I need, why do I need to ask him? Why do I need to ask him for my daily bread? But Jesus seems to insist on us asking in Scripture. Think about, I was thinking about the man by the pool. You know, remember that story of the man by the pool? And he, he's, been, he's been there 38 years, apparently, according to Scripture. And it's that pool that when the stirring of the waters happens, the first person that can make it to the pool, tradition said he'd be healed. He's been there 38 years trying to be that first person to the pool. Just a little bit of faith in something that might heal him. And Jesus goes to them and says this. Do you want to be made well? Maybe I'm missing it. But I'm like, of course he does. Why on earth do you need to ask that? Blind Bartimaeus. He says to blind Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? But Jesus says, I want to hear you say it. I want to hear you say it. Why? Because it's about relationship. It's a speaking out loud, our need of him. It's facilitating communication and that is essential for relationship. The end game for God is relationship. Back to the Garden of Eden. Back to that place of intimate relationship with God. And we make ourselves vulnerable in the asking, don't we? We recognize our need in the asking. There's a vulnerability there. The other day, which isn't a line you often hear in a sermon, the other day I was making a white sauce. Yes, me. Nine o'clock laughed as well. I'm a bit hurt by that. Yeah, I was making a white sauce, and I'd run out of corn flour. I have to make white sauce with corn flour, not flour, because Pippa is glu- needs to be gluten-free. And I'd run out. So I went outside, because I saw my neighbor was in her garden. And I went to Val, and I said, Val, do you have any corn flour? I need to make a white sauce. And what happened then, yes, she lent me some white sauce, but actually, more importantly, I had 10 minutes at the garden fence chatting with Val. In my asking for corn flour, I got deeper relationship. I got to know Val a little bit more. And it was a real illustration to me of what this is about. God loves for us to ask because it means deeper relationship with him. Jesus chooses to illustrating asking God for things by talking about a neighbor in need of bread. Simple and everyday. It's a relational story. Yes, he knows what we need, but he wants us to ask because he wants us to know him. He wants relationship. He wants interaction with us. So the prayer for me is more like this. Father, Dad, you are holy. You're awesome. 
you're for me. Please, as my good father, give me what I need, what I really need. That's the kind of texture, I think. That's the mood of what we're reading today. James 1.17 says this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Give us this day our daily bread is an acknowledgement that every good and perfect thing from, comes from God above. So can I encourage you this morning, chase after the Father's heart. Chase after it. Do whatever you can to put yourself in that place where you understand him a little bit more, whether you get to hear what he thinks about you a little bit more. Everything flows from that place. And then ask him, because he loves us to ask him. He's a good father, and he's for us. I'm going to pray, if that's all right. Is that all right, Tom? Father, thank you that we can call you Father. Thank you for these stories in Scripture. Thank you that you, as we look at your life, Jesus, we see how your relationship with Father was so important. And I pray for all of us this morning that we would just get a a little bit more glimpse of who you are. Reveal who you are to us. Reveal your heart to us this morning, we pray. I pray for anyone who, f- who is maybe feeling cut off from you this morning, that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would lift the veil. And I pray, Lord, that we would know the pleasure of your heart towards us, of how you think about us, that we would know that we are dearly loved children of you, And that from that place, Lord, we would find the safety to ask. Lord, Holy Holy Spirit, we know we need you. We know how much we're in need of you. But it's your nature always to have mercy. And it's your nature always to show kindness. So we receive that this morning. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You know what each of us needs. Come, Holy Spirit, and work in and through us, we pray. Amen.